I know conflate real? How can that even be a question? Does a fish know the sea? Does a building know its architect? How can we help but know conflate real? They are the foundation of our existence. Without them, the sun itself would drop from the sky. Magic would die in every form and all you mortal folks would follow soon after. I imagine one or two of the gods would get by alright, but you're hardly one of them. Now, do I like Conflict Rio? That's a far more interesting question, but one with a simple answer. No, the world would be a much better place without them. Sadly, that just ain't possible. Welcome back to An Atlas of the World Unknown, an actual play podcast centered on imaginative world building and emergent storytelling. I'm your host, Paul Dullenberg, and joining me today is Rio. Hello. Today we are going to be playing a spindle wheel micro game. Specifically, we are going to be playing The Mountain. Rio, what is the pitch for The Mountain? Like, what are these first three sentences in the rules? Yeah, uh, so this is a game for one to two players. You are a god locked in the peak of a mountain. You are its followers, scaling the mountain to free your god. Decide who will play the god and who will play the followers. Oh, and I should say that Spindle Wheel is a game by Sasha Renault, and we are specifically playing the Spindle Wheel Microgames collection, which you can find on their itch page at uh, 22... 222, the numbers 22 and 22, and the word 2.itch.io. And you can find that and other good games that they've written there. Okay, so the mountain. So, yeah, I guess the first choice we have to make is which of us is the god and which of us is the followers? Uh, I personally prefer followers. I'm not sure. I have a great grasp on the pantheon we've got going yet i don't either is the great thing like we saw these gods we saw three gods create the world mm -hmm. there have been mentions of and those gods were conflagrio ox and amalgi mm -hmm. and we've seen references to a couple other gods there was some sort of god of the dance and there was also magpie who is like a bird god and kind of a trickster god and there's a whole bunch of demigods, and we don't know too much about them. Oh, there's also the second son who showed up in a game, who was the child of Conflagrio. Yeah. So this game is happening where Conflagrio ended that creation myth game being locked in Arvine, the magical core of the world unknown. And they spent half their life in the sun, creating its light, and the other half in their body, which is locked within Arvine. And now, several thousand years later, some amount of time later, there's some group of humans who have decided that it is time to free Conflagrio. So, yeah, if you want to be the followers, that's totally fine with me. I've played yeah. Conflagrio before, so that'll be just fine. Although... Yeah, the, the followers... The followers I can more readily ascribe motivation to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where I'd go with Conflagrio. Yeah. All we saw of Conflagrio was that they were kind of selfish and uh, creative, mm -hmm. but always wanted to keep control over their creations. Which is interesting because, so Conflagrio is the life giver god. Or kind of the sun god. And the sun god. They aren't the only creator of life. Like, right. all, all three of those creation myth gods had some role in the creation of life right but it, i don't know it seems 
It seems like Conflicto's current existence is, if either by necessity, maybe mostly by necessity, but is a uh, very, I don't know, I wouldn't say altruistic, but uh, like uh, the only time the chained god is not chained, the chained god is off being the sun, which yeah. is... And actually, I don't really know how they're feeling right now. So yeah. we are the first step of the mountain is for the captive god to read their five facets, which will describe what I am. Since I already know what Conflagrio is, there will be some interesting interpretation here. There might be some weird changes. Mm -hmm. So I will start by reading my core, which will tell me my major domain, and that will be crossed by my crossing, which is my minor domain. So my major domain is Arachne. Bulbous-bodied, long-limbed, gossamer snares stronger than steel. Or a quiet weaver, pride of the town, odd gossip outshone by marvelous deeds. And that's crossed by the lovers. Twin stars in orbit, inseparable partners, a whole greater than the sum of its parts. Oh, I love that, because there's two mm -hmm. suns. Right. Or the, Two suns uh, and two suns. <laughs> a snake head eating the head on the opposite side. Oh, yeah. And ironically, the second sun is actually the first demigod created, just because people get confused and think that Ox was also a creation of Conflagrio. Mm. You know, stories morph and shift over time. And maybe that one's the true version, but the version that we told was not that way. So I think, and feel free to contribute on these things. Yeah. On your thoughts. So I think the lovers, my minor domain, is obviously the sun. The sons. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. And the I dual think... existence of Conflagrio. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Arachne. The major domain. What they've focused on since being stuck here. Hmm. And what's the uh, other side of that again? Uh, so there's the quiet weaver, private, pride of the town, odd gossip outshone by marvelous deeds, and bulbous bodied, long limbed, gossamer snares that's stronger than steel. That sounds a little more esoteric, but very appropriate. Yeah, I think there's something about control there. Yeah. Like, well, and also um, uh, snares and binding mm -hmm. for a yes. bound god. Yeah. So I think we could extrapolate that to the major domain being chains. Mm -hmm. uh, chains and bonds. I'm going to write these down just so I don't forget them. So major domain is chains and bonds. Secondary domain is suns. S-U-N's. Yep. <laughs> okay, next to read is my bane and my boon. My boon will be what marvels I gave the world before being trapped. And my bane is how I was locked away. So it'll be interesting to see how these are remembered. So my boon is bridge, a choke point, a shortcut, rope and wood haphazardly lashed. So bridge is a card with some history in this world. Yeah, uh, if you want to re-enlighten yeah. me. I, I seem to recall there being a somewhat important bridge in the Duchess of Nightmares, yeah. Yeah, there's kind of a bridge to the afterlife or the other side. Uh. And it was incredibly magical. Like, people were brought back from the dead on it. And I think, yeah, in this case, Bridge does represent uh, the magic and life that Conflagrio originally brought. Like, no matter how you tell the story, even if you paint them as a villain, mm -hmm. you still have to admit that they were responsible for creating, you know, the sun. And without the sun, there you can't really have life. Yeah. And my bane is a quiet knife. An impulse unsuppressed, an instant both decisive and incisive. Yeah, I think it was that unilateral action of the other gods, of the demigods. Even of Ox and Amalgi, even though they were kind of reluctant to do so, they did participate. Mm -hmm. And it was over, like, in a shockingly small amount of time, given how large scales of times the gods normally operate on. Okay, lastly... My desire is what I sought after, and my method will be the way I wielded my power to obtain my goals. 
my desire is darkness. Shadows cast on the cave wall or a curtain thicker than the absence of light. And overgrowth <laughs> is a resurgence of life, nature reclaiming abandoned places. Or an interloping opportunist, a greedy and jealous invader. Yeah. Huh. A life god and a sun god seeking darkness. Yeah. I think Conflagrio wants to be god of the sun no longer. Mm-hmm. I think they dream of being free again and um, starting over and <laughs> going and trying to create another world and doing it right this time, not being dumb and giving things free will. And <laughs> so I think it, there's kind of both sides of overgrowth to this in that their method to that is to, you know, start creating things. Right but also not really worrying about the damage that those things will do to the world unknown. Right. No, I like that. So, that is Conflagrio's deal. Pick any facet card as a prize promised to your followers for freeing you from the mountain. Take the rest into your hand. Hmm. I have a couple different good options. I think... Let's see. Because I could give overgrowth, that would make sense. I could give bridge, that would make sense. Or I could give a quiet knife. No, I think it's overgrowth, because Conflagrio is still trying to present themselves as a life god. Mm -hmm. They are not exactly being explicit that, hey, I want to go and start over. They're just saying, hey, I want to create new things again, and, and if you help free me, I will give you the power to create. Mm -hmm. And the rest of these cards are my hand. Okay, now it's going to go on you. So we have the mountain laid out. Yep. Okay, let's see. Lay out the mountain like so. The second player flips the four cards at the base. These yes. are your characters, the god's followers, chosen to climb the mountain and free the god. If a card is not a clear character, it might be the follower's defining feature, a relic used by an adjacent follower, or a vessel blessed by the god to move with divine purpose. Answer these questions for each follower. Who were they before the mountain called them? How do they relate to the follower next to them? Do they see eye to eye? Was it the whispering voice of the god or the legend of the prize that called them to the mountain? The god player can offer suggestions, but ultimately the follower player has the final word. I should describe that the mountain is a triangle of cards with a base of four cards, then three cards, then two cards, and then a face-up card at the top that is the prize. What I'm really going to need is some, um, maybe some names. Yeah. Do you want to flip all the followers at once or one at a time? Uh, I'm thinking one at a time. Okay. I'm going to cheat and pull up a list of generated names. All right. Also, you can always count on the cards to give you some good evocative phrases. Yeah. I'm just grabbing a... In the other game of Spin the Wheel, we did have a character named Dr. Leviathan. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's flip the first one. First card is Goose Down. A soft place to land. A whisper just above silence. On the reverse side is a notable delay. A layer of numbness. I like the whisper just above silence. Um, because that is... Let's see. Was it the whispering voice of the god or the legend of the prize that called them to the mountain? Goose Down suggests that this follower was obviously lulled by a whisper. Uh, and because it was the whisper and not the prize, the voice of the god itself, this follower is the most certain of all of the followers. Um, if not necessarily uh the most uh reverent or traditionally so this follower i've got a name uh this follower is simon horus simon uh, horus how do you spell that uh simon is s i m o n uh horus uh like the egyptian like god like the yep yeah, like the other god <laughs> oh was Horus... Who was the sun god in the Egyptian pantheon? Not Horus, I don't believe. I mean, Horus was oh, a Ra. sun god. Ra was the 
Sun God, Sun God. Uh, but yeah, no. So Simon Horace uses he, him pronouns uh, and was not... Um, he was not a follower of Conflagrio. He was not affiliated with any of the various obscure cults or more established uh, churches to Conflagrio. Uh, Simon Horace was just, uh, well, Simon Horace was an aspiring mage. Uh, who studied all of the relevant lore about magic, but has no skill whatsoever. So, Simon Horace is a magical historian. Ooh, yeah. Who's compiled uh, plenty of information on the myth and history of magic, uh, but has encountered uh, very little of the magical language, uh, because it's mostly hidden. Uh, but also has no talent for innate magic. And is he just a human? Yep. Because uh, uh, so far the like sentient characters we've seen have been humans. We've had mm-hmm. birds. We've had birds. Um, there have been the honor guard, which are weird right. like kind of enforcers of magical justice. Yes. Um, let's see. What's the honor guard naming scheme again? Well, they they don't really have names. Right, they don't. Let's see. In another game, there were shape-shifting tigers, who weren't always tigers. Um, Let's see. Uh, There's all sorts of weird animals that are synthites, which are created at the start of the world by kind of mashing everything together. How rare are they? Um, That's a good question. I think there are more than we realize. Mm Mm-hmm. But they would probably be, uh, I don't know, in this, in this period, they'd probably be less common in the mundane period. Um, yes, though, again, like those notable people who use magic, probably some of them are actually synthites. Right. Mm-hmm. If they aren't, like, humans. Right. Or maybe even if they are, because synthites can be, like, any shape, because, look, Amalgi was just interested in mashing things together yes so they ended up with some weird stuff question yes so would more traditional mythical creatures if they were expressed in this world say your flying fire-breathing lizards and your riddle lion women Mm -hmm. would they be synthites if they were to be found and would they be would they be more primitive synthites because they are less uh complex and more i don't know uh um i think anything that has that amount of power is not a simple creature yeah they are just as human as the humans just a little bit weirder no no yeah desires but like would a synthite be would it be a noticeable amalgam or would it be so Variously uh, mashed and warped that it would be, I don't know. Uh, well, they were some of the first things that were created, so right. everything else is going to be, you know, built with that in mind. Yeah. So I don't think that think that they would look particularly strange, at least to the other people of this world. Okay. Like, remarkable and different, but not not wrong. So not a non-Euclidean mass of eyeballs and tentacles that just wants library books. I mean, they certainly can be. The people just wouldn't consider that, like, more weird than seeing a dragon. Right. No, exactly. I've I've definitely been back on an Elder Scrolls kick, (laughs) if that's not entirely clear. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, we've got uh, Simon Horace, the magical historian who's heard the whispers of Conflagrio. Uh, and because of this uh, and his lack of a religious background and his background as a magical historian, um, he is, his faith is less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, less established than the other followers. So uh, less established in lore and scripture and ceremony, but it is also probably the strongest. He has the least doubt. Cool. So he's, yeah. Next card. Flood, 
brimming reservoirs, high tide, outpour of riches, or constant rainfall, hair trigger landslides, valley submerged. Okay, so this card... Uh, this card is the follower Vayuthea. Uh, pronouns, she, her, Vayuthea is spelled V-A-U-T-H-E-I-A. T-H-A-I-A. E-I-A, sorry. A. <laughs> I'm a, ta- uh, let's see, my E's are entirely phonetic now. <laughs> uh, but no, so Vayuthea is is of the birds uh via she is a resplendent red bird with a long multicolored tail which i believe um so vayuthea is theoretically of the birds but vayuthea is not like any other bird there is a y between the a and the u sorry Oh, yeah, I'll fix that. Um, but at least ostensibly and politically and diplomatically, Vayuthea is a somewhat of a high spiritual and political figure among the birds that generally lives in isolation. However, uh, a massive flood has destroyed one of their cities, uh, leading to great loss of life. And great suffering. Yeah. The ducks are fine, but everyone else not quite so much. Yeah, the the ducks are fine, but um, their other cities are overcrowded. Uh, many were forced to take to the skies for weeks on end and fell exhausted to the ground below or into the tides below. Um, so Vayuthea being ostensibly a bird and certainly... Uh, loving of her people, be they native or adopted, it's, we don't quite know, um, it has set off alone uh, to find something to restore uh, some of their sundered cities. Um, and, uh, well, Thea is a... She's a high political figure, she's a high religious figure, she's uh, also a mysterious figure among her people, and she may be a magic user. Mm. And she certainly has magical knowledge. Uh, she's not necessarily, again, a follower of the old gods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's knowledgeable about certain things, and she's knowledgeable about the powers uh, that certain deities possess. So... Uh, again, unlike, uh, this time, unlike, uh, Simon, she has, she brings with her no faith, but she brings a great deal of knowledge. Let's flip the next card. Plague, death, contagious and slow, a well-weathered curse, a broken fever, and acquired taste. All right, where is, I don't know how to pronounce this. But this is the name of this follower. You're going to have to be able to pronounce it, because this is an audio medium. Yes. Well, the first name is Ibear, and the last name is Memnesine. We're not using the last name. <laughs> this is Ibear. And Ibear... It's a good name, though. It is. Uh, is the elder priest of a peculiar cult to Conflagrio. Um... This is a cult of the horrendously afflicted uh, who pray to the life god to prolong their own lives in spite of the immense suffering they endure by continuing to suffer um, with the plagues and the curses they're afflicted with. Yeah, it's like they identify with the god that is known for suffering. Yes, um, and, uh, let's see. So this is one of the most fanatically devoted cults to the life god and to the chained god. Um, and, uh, they are, let's see, not necessarily a happy people. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and they're, 
over time the uh the most uh the most devout among them uh over time they begin to melt and warp um to the point where they don't necessarily resemble their previous form or any known form at all they just look again not melted uh and not necessarily diseased they just look changed uh or they would if you were to ever see their faces they go robed and they go hooded is this just from the diseases that they have or is this from their worship uh it's from let's see it's a combination of the two so um the diseases would have killed them the plagues they're afflicted with would have killed them long ago uh but they've continued to live the most devout um okay, that so is, yeah that so is beca- terrifying so because they're so very old and so very cursed uh they don't really resemble anything known to the realm of mortals <sighs> i wasn't expecting you to bring the body horror <laughs> i'm not complaining i mean it's not necessarily outright nergalite body horror um i guess we don't see it and it's more fourth dimensional body (laughs) horror they're they're getting like they're pretty non-euclidean okay um i I would say like yeah it's it's not out now let's see it's just wrong it's not awful it's just wrong (laughs) <laughs> if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ibar, of course, then is the most knowledgeable in the worship of his god. And he uses he him? Uh by by uh let's see, by habit only at this point. Yeah. I Ibar maybe once was a once was a um a man, uh and by man I mean to say once was a human. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course there are there are many members of this cult uh, of across many species, uh, but given the rough shape of him and the fact that he goes upright and vertical <laughs> from place to place uh, and seems to lurch a bit, um, it's safe to assume that Ibar had or has legs. Okay. <laughs> um uh how does Ibar relate to Vayu? What do they think of each other? Oldest priests of this cult and is ready to be freed um from his long diseases and his long curses uh of which he probably has suffered from multiple. And uh he feels that the only way at this point he's immersed himself so in the worship of his god the only way he can finally find either liberty from his curses or liberty from his life is to seek out his god himself uh to have him rescind his uh let's see his mixed blessings his uh the gifts with which he's been bestowed okay and he believes that in freeing his god he he himself can find a form of freedom Mm-hmm. Uh, how does he relate to Vayu? Uh, so he's... Or Simon. Yeah, so he has sympathy with Vayu. Uh, he understands um, those that would seek out the blessings of his god uh, and those that would seek from his god a uh, life of some sort. He's wary of Simon uh, because... Simon uh, shares with him the least. With Vayu, he has a common cause, or at least a common uh, understanding, a common set of motives. Mm -hmm. He recognizes her motives. He doesn't recognize Simon's motives, and in fact, he's not sure that Simon has motives at all. And this scares him. Okay, one more follower. One more follower. We have doctor, a tender heart, a steady hand, a strong stomach, or doctor, an authoritative voice, a curious mind, an unscrupulous scalpel. I think, so drawing from a little bit of both here, 
wow, this actually fits. This name generator is my new favorite name generator. Which one are you using? <laughs> uh, behind the name, and I, it didn't give me a list, but I just put in, what did I put in? I put in fantasy, Latin, and Greek. Ooh. And it's given me some good stuff. Yeah, mythology, Greek myth, Roman myth, witch, and fantasy. Mm-hmm. And it's just given me four winners. Um, so this is Balal Leus. Balal? Yeah, I... Uh, let's see. Balal Leus uh, is a tiger. Ooh. Or was a tiger. Um, through method unknown uh and they use they them pronouns uh uh they long ago uh cast aside their ability to change form and um, now they actually is that possible uh the tigers before did not go by names okay as long as it, at least when there was only one of them in a group they would just be the tiger right so it's fine if this tiger uses a name especially because that's thousands of that... years later that part I can explain. The part I'm not sure I will be able to explain is how they can't shapeshift anymore. Would that be possible? Or maybe it's before the tigers did shapeshift. Uh, or before the people who were then tigers yeah. in this other game uh, learned to shapeshift. I mean, it could, be a, it could be a curse. Would that be appropriate? Everyone else here is cursed in some way. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the curse I have in mind. So Balaleus okay. uh, has taken on this name after they have uh, been trapped in a vaguely humanoid form. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've taken on this name. Uh, they were a tiger, uh, or they were many things, but they were known as a tiger. Ooh, do they look like a tiger? Do they look like a Star Trek alien that's based on a tiger? That wasn't my initial thought. But yes, let's go with it. <laughs> um, so yeah, they uh, they do have uh, orange pigmentation um, and uh, parallel uh, black facial hair with feline ears atop their head. Or, well, aside their head, I should say. Their ears come to feline points with a... With a uh, fuzz, <laughs> their furry ears. Um, uh, but more, yeah. Oh, I should give you a little bit of what we learned about the tigers. In the end, is that the tigers had um, at least one group of the tigers had used trickery to like kind of destroy an entire, at least castle and like towns worth of people and transmute them into stone. Oh my! So they had done some bad things in the past. Yeah. So, Balaleus, we're not sure what their past holds. Uh, we only know that their recent past, within their recent past, they've been cursed by means unknown, and they're trapped in a vaguely humanoid form. So they've taken a name, and they go forth wearing the robe of a healer. Balaleus is a doctor, um, and goes between small communities, healing the sick. Um, and they... They found this calling in their efforts to perhaps at first combat their own curse, or perhaps through a legitimate and genuine sense of altruism. Um, Laos is, not, is neither a member of the faithful or a true devotee of Conflagrio, uh, but as a healer and a life giver, uh, feels some kinship with the god. Uh, so their relationship, let's see, to, uh, so that was their calling before the mountain found them. Uh, and uh, they are, again, at odds <laughs> with the rest of the party. So Bilal is perhaps the kindest hearted of all of the party. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the, so Bilal has the strongest sense of ethics. But has, <laughs> but has the least uh, amount of uh, faith or motivation. So because of these ethics, they will perhaps be the most, they are perhaps the most consistently ethical uh, and committed member of this party, but not for the same reasons. The rest are here 
uh, to serve a goal or to serve a god, either because of their faith, their religion, or their needs. Bilal is does not share those goals, but Bilal is so very committed uh, to healing the sick and to discovering, let's see, uh, the cause and to curing strange plagues and curses that Bilal is perhaps the most committed of the party, ironically. Cool. Rio, you are really good at making characters. <laughs> Sorry to take no, dude, that's quite a bit the of time there. Of this. That, that's the whole point of this. Uh, but yeah, here's our intrepid party. The four followers. Okay, blessings. The god player uh, bestows a blessing on each follower by playing a card from their hand onto the follower's card. The blessing both aids and compels them. Describe the blessing in a single sentence. So I need to bless each of these people. Hmm. And just a brief note on the names. Yes. I feel like Vayu and Memosine are perhaps more titles than names. Ooh, I like that. I really like that. Vayu is a really good title. So Vayu, perhaps a title of high political, religious, or mm-hmm. royal honor. And Memnosine could be a name. It could be a title. <laughs> um, but Ibar comes from a cult of such eldritch blackness that no one's really sure if it's a prehistoric name, a prehistoric title, or a religious title. Okay. I think each of these blessings was delivered by a small bird with glowing blue eyes, who, if you knew the rest of the history of the world, you would recognize as half of the god Ox, who had always regretted trapping Conflagrio. So these blessings are kind of being given through a couple, you know, layers of separation. Mm -hmm. To Bilal, I grant Arachne, a quiet weaver, but also, Gothmer snare is stronger than steel. I give a thread that can heal any wound, stitches that can close any gash. Just a small thimble of thread. Hmm. Let's see. And I suppose I should not be cryptic about this. Vayu is perhaps a synthite. Ooh, okay. Just wanted to be clear mm-hmm. about that. Or a little less clear. Yeah. Or and also feel free to, like, you know, this is what we're establishing, but feel free yeah. to throw that stuff out the window as the game goes. Right. Um, to Ibar, I give a cloak of darkness that the sun's light cannot pierce, nor the light of magic itself. Ooh. I'm playing the card darkness for that. Hmm. These are great gifts. Yeah. <laughs> given, given what I've given you about these characters. Well, Conflagrio really wants to be free. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, to Simon, I give a quiet knife, a sword that will destroy anything that stands in its way, that perhaps has a cost, but can achieve any goal. And this sword um, has shown up in a different game as, I think it was just called the Cursed Blade, which was wielded by the head of a group of kind of outlaw magicians called the Cursed Blade, and their leader had an extremely cursed sword. <laughs> Just like, uh, however much you could curse a sword, this sword <laughs> is that much cursed. Cursed sword of a lot of curses. Mm-hmm. Cursed hmm. sword of becursed curses. And to Vayu? Hmm. To Vayu, I grant a scroll that when opened will answer any one question asked to it, truthfully and without and infallibly. And I'm using the card bridge for that, a stable connection, a thoroughfare. Mm-hmm. So in this case, it's a bridge to, gosh, omnipotence. Mm-hmm. Basically. But only once. The blessings have been granted. The last card in the god player's hand is your final shred of divinity, a glimmer of light you cling to in this dark and miserable place. Or, in this case, a very, very bright and miserable place. Meditate on on it while you wait to be freed. And that card, I should say, is the lovers. Twin stars in orbit. Inseparable partners. The whole greater than the sum of its parts. 
Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, okay. So we have our followers. Mm-hmm. Next up are the three trials. The follower player chooses a trial card for their first step up the mountain. I'm pulling that from the deck. Uh, no. It's on oh, the... Oh, yep, they're here. We've already laid out the face-down cards yep. of the mountain. The god player flips it, uses it to describe the trial preventing the progress of the two followers below that card. The follower can ask for the further detail. The god can provide answers for everything, drawing answers from the deck when necessary, except why the trial exists. Unless, perhaps, one had access to omnipotent knowledge, but once. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we cut, we've broken the rules already, darn it. <laughs> I don't think that that... Well, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Right. Uh, uh, I should say the trials are the three cards that sit directly above right. the followers. I, I also see what you did there. And then above the three <laughs> trials are the two tribulations, and then above the two tribulations is the prize. Uh, the followers... Part two, the follower player can either spend a blessing card to overcome the trial or sacrifice a follower card to solve the problem or turn back, which I think has more rules somewhere. Yes. Turn back. It'll be at the bottom. We'll get there when you think you might want to consider turning back. Okay. Um, whatever the choice, describe how it happens and place that card over the two followers and under the trial. Cascading cards marking the path up the mountain. Cool. When three alt three trials are overcome, God player draws a parable. Okay. So, let's see. It has some examples here. Mm -hmm. Um. So, like, uh, the carpenter constructs a bridge, the prince distracts the beast. Is that sacrificing a follower? Um, you can interpret what you're doing however you want. As, okay. You know, like, we'll play fair. You know? Okay. Uh, the follower can, let's see, spend a blessing card, sacrifice a follower. Yeah. Ah, it, it would seem to suggest that you're either using the follower or using the blessing. Yeah. Which which makes sense. Um, I think you'd, any of the followers can, you can spend any of the followers. I think. I guess we should make that decision now. Um, trial, uh, Progress of the two followers below that card, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, it's definitely a little ambiguous, so we should just make a decision. Yeah, how about... It's I only think, the two... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's only the two below, unless there's something else that fits really well. Yeah, and I'm thinking, like, probably only the two followers below, but maybe any of the artifacts. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. All right, so... Phase of trial. The left, which faces Simon and Vayu. The middle, which faces... Uh, or Thea, I guess. Thea and Ibar. Or the right, which faces Ibar and Bilal. Let's start with the middle card. The middle trial. Okay. Here, I'll flip it for you. Polaris. An immutable fact and a movable object. Or the North Star, a lighthouse, words to live by. I think we first see these four strange figures standing on sparkling black stone surrounding a bubbling lake of Ublek, the first substance that was ever created on this world. Right. So the lake of Ublek is, the, is where the staircase to the core begins. Yes, there have been, you know, in tales as old as time, it's said that they built a, the gods built a staircase that descends below this lake through below this lake through the ocean and to Arvine. But standing around, you see no stairs. Uh, this is the uh, you believe that the stairs uh, let's see, Thea and Ibar are pretty certain that the stairs are directly below the Ublek, and yet the substance is strange. It doesn't move it moves like it is has a mind of its own like it is alive because mm -hmm. it is the thing from which the first life was even created so yeah how do they face this boiling kind of like let's see i think it's mostly kind of grayish but there's sparkles of light in it and there's no telling how deep it is hmm 
Um, like if you've ever seen like the mud pots in Yellowstone or in other geothermal areas. Yeah. Yeah, like that. How would you get beneath one of those? Well, I'm not sure I want to do this right off the bat, but while he is a follower of the life god, Ibar is essentially walking death. Mm-hmm. So if anyone could part the Red Sea in this case, I think it would be the guy made of walking death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we could send him forward through the lake and try to clear a path. Because he, my hunch is that he might be repulsive to the Ublek. Well, whatever you do will work. You just have to choose what you're spending. Right. I'm not sure I want to spend him right away is the trouble. Yeah. Even though that would work really well. I think he's too selfish for that, though. Uh, what about, would his cloak be useful? I don't know if his cloak would be, I mean, card to card, yes, a cloak of darkness versus... Um, the North Star <laughs> would be very cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that quite works yet. I did say that it was repulsive to magic as well as light. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know if you want to hang on to it till later. Oh, repulsive to magic and light. Yep. I think. Um. There's one other obvious card that could probably get you through this. Yep, I'm thinking bridge <laughs> would be very, I, I mean, in both senses of both what the artifact is and what the card is. Um, and I hate to spend that early, but I think it makes sense because um, the the rest are literally and figuratively holding their cards, mm-hmm. <laughs> or Ibar is. Uh, so Thea sees no way forward but to consult her scroll. And she asks, uh, she unfurls this scroll and asks, uh, what is our path uh, through this lake to the staircase? And uh, gosh, can I describe how the, what the answer looks like? Yeah, you have full narrative control over this. Okay, so <laughs> uh, the scroll rolls forward over the bank of the lake, and then it starts rolling across the lake, uh, uh, settling on the surface. Uh, And then it begins to fold at 90-degree angles, becoming the staircase through the lake. Cool. And uh, and, uh, of course, the oobleck parts above it and below it. Uh, And as they venture down the surface of the scroll staircase... Uh, they see at the bottom the entrance to the staircase proper. Okay. It's time for the second trial. We will take... <laughs> All right, Goose Down and Bird will take the left card. <laughs> that that was somewhat... Like, the middle card gave us the least obvious pairing, but Goose Down and Bird and Plague Man and Doctor is... Uh... Those are interesting pairings to face these trials. Yeah. Uh, Prince of Fate. What is this trial? And exiled, titles revoked, respect rescinded, or um, last of a legacy, blessed by birthright, cursed by prophecy. I think facing Blal and Ibar kind of are hanging back a little bit because they are, they're two very different people, so they actually have a surprising amount of things to talk about. Yeah. Well, and, and they're both afflicted in some way. Yeah, exactly. Whereas uh, both Thea and Simon are very, very interested as to where the staircase goes, since I think they're the two more, like, naturally curious. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so Simon's curious, uh, but Thea is confident. Or I guess the two more determined. Yeah. So they're... Pressing on ahead in front of the group. Mm-hmm. And what do they encounter? What do they encounter? Um, so the staircase descends for probably like a good like mile. So it is like an hour of walking because you can't descend stairs particularly fast. And mm-hmm. the stairs aren't the steepest stairs, but they are not shallow by any means. Mm-hmm. And as you descend, um, it actually gets lighter. 
because you can tell that you're starting to approach the source of light, though it's still miles and miles and miles away. And what do you face? Oh, of course. Um, standing, uh, the staircase turns a corner for the first time. Until now, it's just been going like straight, but now it turns. And uh, turns to the right and to the left. So there's like a T-junction. Mm-hmm. A little landing, and then there's continuing descending staircases to the left and to the right. And standing in front of each of those staircases is an honor guard, a being that is 10 feet tall with four legs and four arms placed symmetrically around themselves, heads that rotate in all directions. Each is holding a massive spear, and they say in unison, Halt. Only those who are of the gods may pass. Mm. So, neither Thea nor Simon... Maybe Simon. Simon is kind of of the gods. Um, but Thea certainly isn't. So, I think... I, I want to hang on to these uh, characters, especially for the tribulations. Mm-hmm. I think. So I think <laughs> the easiest way to prove uh, our worthiness is to prove it with a knife. A quiet knife. A cursed blade. Uh, Simon, of course, has no martial training. He's a bookish scholar. Uh, but he recognizes in this moment... Uh, that uh, it is up to him and Thea to figure out how to proceed. So he brandishes his cursed blade and and charges at the two honor guard. Uh, and Thea is a very powerful being and a very knowledgeable being uh, and a very perceptive being. Yet she struggles to recognize the individual actions uh, and the individual movements of Simon's blade between the two honor guard, um, between his connection with them and their tumble to the, well, stairs. As they, so as they begin, as they fall and tumble down the stairs lifeless, uh, she's unable to connect the actions which preceded their demise to Simon's initial movement. Um, why is this resource used up? Right, so this resource is used... Hmm. Let's see. How about uh, action completed? Um, the the cursed blade seems to darken more for a moment, and then what's left in Simon's hands is a mundane sword. Okay. Perhaps it will be cursed again, but probably needs to recharge. <laughs> right. Or so maybe it will become the cursed blade. Maybe the cursed blade is somewhere else now. Right. But whatever this sword was, now it's just a mundane sword, and in fact, um, a slightly old sword, and a slightly <laughs> dull sword. Okay, one more trial remains. Alright, so the last trial, which will be faced by Ibar and Bilal. A raised glass, a new bond forged in remembrance of those who have been lost, or a canteen passed along the trench, a drink shared with an old friend. So I think at this crossroads, uh, Thea and Simon went left, but when Ibar and Bilal reach it, they go right. They see mm. the dead honor guards and are just like, hmm. <laughs> Whichever way that very scary sword, may, maybe we should go the other way. And I think deep below, they they continue traveling down and down, and they find... Um, what do they find? They find a mausoleum of a sort. Mm-hmm. And this space is full of crypts of the dead. And when they're examined, each of them holds uh, one, of the, one of the members of Ibar's cult that had fallen to this curse, who had mm-hmm. lived in the cult and gone through these strange unknowable changes Mm -hmm. and when they died somehow their bodies ended up laid to rest here and there is a crypt lying open and it is in a line of other nemnosigns 
which which we should clarify might be a title might be his family name might be (laughs) might be let's leave that purposely vague Mm -hmm. so this is either his family or his predecessors could be both could and it could be both yeah all right so it's it's clear that hmm so we've found his resting place yes which comes to a shock to ibar uh as a bit of a shock to ibar um because to this point he did not know that someone as as far developed as far gone as he could die anymore this is this is what he's been seeking (laughs) but let's see so he's grown weary of his form he's been given a cloak to shield his form from his compatriots um and he's ultimately very tired but he was lured here by the promise of his god hmm let's see i want to do something silly okay and by silly i mean to say well i don't know maybe things are not as they are here um so ibar overcome by a sudden wave of relief and uh ignoring Bilal's warnings, uh heads for this crypt and uh and lies down, assuming his position. Uh and he's he readies himself for death. Uh as he as he lies in his in what is apparently his place of burial, um the let's see the lid to what, sarcophagi? I just said crypts. Yeah, so the lid to his personal crypt or the door um closes abruptly, trapping him. Uh leaving Bilal alone. Uh but Bilal is not alone for long, as the occupants of the other crypts begin to stir. <laughs> uh so Bilal is suddenly left alone in a room with uh either uh ibar's predecessors or apparitions of them uh and Bilal is fighting for their life all alone while ibar is very unfortunately in his view still alive um so growing ever more frustrated ibar casts uh well opens his cloak uh to reveal the cloak of darkness beneath um and casts it forth uh and it it bursts free from the crypt and uh blankets the entire chamber uh in darkness casting away the apparitions uh which Bilal is engaged in combat with um the chamber remains dark uh well Ibar uh reorganizes his cloak atop himself and steps forth from the false crypt okay so you used the blessing of darkness there yeah yes okay the three trials have been complete and now we can start killing people parable (laughs) (laughs) when all three trials are overcome the god player draws a parable card from the deck and uses it to explain the trials as an allegory for the god's nature and a core tenet of the followers faith Place it in the bottom row of the church, which is a column I'm going to build alongside the mountain as I begin to build their religion. All right. So this card is Leviathan. Scale beyond reference, ambition outside of reason, servant to nothing, or mindless hunger, a tireless machine, crude oil burning in seawater. Let me see if I can phrase this as a good parable. Trust no law you did not write yourself. Pick any lock you did not build yourself. You are beholden to nothing other than yourself and me. 